to the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen. Um, last week, we, we focused on two major topics in, in chapter 4. And uh, a verse that we all heard a million, million times is verse 7, or sorry, verse 8, where it says, Love will cover a multitude of sins. So we talked about that. But then we talked about the gifts of the Spirit that we receive and how and why these gifts are given to us and how we can use these gifts. So we talked a, a, a lot about that. Now St. Peter talks again about... So everything in this, in this epistle is very interesting. He'll bring up a subject, but there is a general agenda that he's going for. And this agenda is this concept of that we as Christians will suffer for Christ because Christ suffered for us. And this is the main theme in this, in this book, which we keep repeating uh, uh, over and over. And so this, this, the word suffering, when we, when we hear about it, is a scary word. Like, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Like, no one feels like, oh, like, I'm, I'm excited to suffer. Like, no one, no one, no one enjoys it. But when we look at Christ who suffered and overcame suffering, can help us understand suffering in the Christian perspective. So, um, the last part, in, it, it, it's funny. So if somebody can read from uh, verse 11 and continue to, verse, uh, to the end of verse 13. And the reason why I wanted to start at 11 is to kind of uh, get us into what we talked about last week. So it's like transitioned into uh, this week. Yeah, go ahead, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange things happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Okay. The, like I said, the reason why is I want to see there is a transition. This concept of using our gifts, we're using for the glory of God. That's the purpose. We don't receive gifts for just... You know, it's not chosen at random to be to be used in any capacity, but that we use these gifts for His glory. And I feel like Saint Peter is like, okay, you understand? Amen. Like you, like he ended that part with Amen. Like there is no more to talk about that. But now he gives us uh, something that the apostles all preached. So we're going to read it from here, and then we're also going to read it from uh, James chapter one which is another one of the Catholic epistles, right? So we said that 1 Peter, 2 Peter, um, James, uh, the three epistles of John and Jude are all the Catholic epistles. And what that means isn't the Catholic Church, right? It's Catholic meaning universal or worldwide, that these were spread to all the Christians everywhere. So that this was a struggle, if St. Peter's talking about it, St. James is talking about it. Christ talked about it. This is a struggle that every Christian will face. And so, so again, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the, fire, the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. What does he mean by fiery trial? What comes to your mind? Something hard, okay? A trial, what, when you think of the word trial, long or short? 
long, right? Uh, when you think of fiery, what do you think of? Easy going? Bad. Bad, tough, like uncomfortable. So he's saying you will face a fiery trial. But don't think it's strange. Like don't be like, oh my goodness, what's happening in my life? Uh, like everything bad is happening. St. Peter's like, guess what? You're going to be living with God. You will face tough situations. It's expected. Now, why is that helpful? Reassuring. Huh? Reassuring. Reassuring in what way? Like, kind of, when you know something's coming, you kind of either prepare for it, or like, you know, that it's okay, it's not something that it's a surprise. Or okay, yeah, so it's not strange. He's, he's giving us a heads up that, like, you're not, it's, you're not the odd man out. Every, everybody goes through this. Also knowing that there's another side to it. If you're not going through fiery trials, you have to ask yourself, some serious questions. Meaning, I'm not saying every everyone should be going through a tough time all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But what St. Peter warns, and St. Paul warns, and Christ warns, is that there will be. There will be trials and tribulations. It's expected. If you feel you're not going through trials and tribulations, maybe we're on the wrong path. Like, like if you're going, like... Um, for example, uh, uh, if anybody's driven to the monastery here, right? For some reason, this monastery's been here for years and years and years. Still, the roads are still bad. Um, like, not the freeways, but the road to the monastery is, can damage your car. For so, it's like the struggle that you have to face. You have to, you have to get through that to get to the, to the promised land. But if, if I tell you, okay, when you go to the monastery, right before you get there, it's going to be really, really bumpy. So now you're going to the monastery and you don't face any bumpy road. What conclusion can you come to? I'm not heading to the monastery. I'm, I'm, I'm going the wrong way. So the idea is we have to first figure out St. Peter is saying, if you're a Christian, this letter is written to the early, early Christians. He's encouraging, but he's also saying, you will face trials and tribulations. Now for us, if we're not facing it, we need to ask ourselves, how is my relationship with God? Is it something I need to work on or not? Am I smooth sailing or not? And this is not to scare anyone, but because... My trials can be look, look different to somebody else's trials versus somebody else's trials. Trials look different. But it's the idea of there will be a struggle. Yeah. Um, does it mean like fiery trial, like just difficult situations that you face in life or difficult situations because you're a Christian and you're standing up for Christ? So that's an excellent point. So there's two things. Uh, St. Paul in Ephesians 6, uh, let's, let's read that for a second. This is one of the, the well-known uh, epistles, and I mean one of the well-known chapters, because this is the chapter that he talks about the armor of God. But the, before that, he talks about why. So Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse... Verse... Uh, we could start from 10. Uh, 10 to 12. If somebody can read that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
So there is an active war going on. We might not see it. So there is a spiritual part to it, Susie. Like there is a like it's it is related to the spiritual fight. That's why Saint Paul tells us about this armor of God that we should put on because there is this war going on. We don't see it, but we should also put the armor that people might not see, but that can be um, very helpful. Now, let's say I have just a, 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 a few days of really bad luck. Like, something happened to my car, um, something happened at work, something happened with my friends, something happened in my relationship, something happened with my kids, something happened, whatever. Does that mean, is this a trial? Or is this just love? How do we interpret it? How should a Christian interpret that? Well, could it be a trial too? Is, I mean, it could be a trial. I mean, everything is, is built by God. Yes. So this is what he wants. Absolutely. Could be testing your reaction to exactly, exactly. It so in that way, it's also related to your spiritual life because the closer you get to God, the way you can react differently. Mm-hmm. Like when you get into a really tough situation and you forget God, it shows a little bit more about who you are, not in front of people, but in the deepest moments. Versus something goes like, please God, like help me out. Um, but that also, you can question how deep is your relationship, or is he only like your emergency contact, or is he the person that you're really you're close to? So the trials can also be unrelated, but here he's talking about the spiritual trials. So like, when we go through tough times, if you're like, let's say an atheist goes through a tough time. We don't call that a spiritual trial. But like Joe said, everything is allowed by God. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. But what about like like longer trials than just like a situational trial, like um, illness? Sure. Or born with a child with special needs? Sure. Or I don't know, something like you're dealing with. Is that like also... Um, yeah, in First Peter, chapter four, verse twelve. Okay, I lost it, but um, it says, "Do not think it strange concerning the fire trial, which is a trial, as though some strange thing happened to you." Yeah, is that also like like those kinds of things? Like, oh, why does somebody get cancer, or you know, like just stuff like that? Like, is that how we interpret it too? Um, so, so we have to separate the two. Because there is, we're, we're living in an imperfect world because of sin. Sin entered the world, made it imperfect. Now, there will be problems all the time. It's just a matter of how we handle it. So, for example, somebody who has an illness. Two people have an, the same illness. Some people can take it as this is from God. Like, Thank you, God, for this illness. And some people can take it as, this is, I I need to, like, there is no God. Like, how can this happen to me? Right? So it just, it's it's the matter of a mindset to figure how to look at the world. Like, so, so it's, St. Peter's trying to say, like, if something bad happens to you, don't think, wait, why? Don't think it's strange. There will be trials. Like the story of the blind man. Man born blind. The Pharisees were, their goal was to figure out whose fault this is. They, they, they asked, and what happened? What was the response? Nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. Like, wait, who sinned? Him or his parents? No, like, neither. So, if that happens... It might seem strange. Why would he be blind then? Like, his parents are good people. He's, like, what, what happened? It's not strange. He's like, don't, like, it's not out of the ordinary. 
God does things, but for what purpose? For his glory. We don't necessarily understand it. And, and I think that's where people struggle in their faith. We try to understand God. It doesn't make sense. You can't fully understand God. There's no way. And actually, the fathers write a lot about that. Because they reached a point where they were able to say, I don't understand. We don't understand God. And because of that, they grew in their spiritual life. So they taught them. Does that make sense? Because it's not a matter of getting answers. We're, we need answers. Because that's how we grow up. Like, like many, many, like, like I've noticed, even in church, for example, when you're trying to explain, like when I'm, when I'm speaking to the high school group versus when I'm speaking to the second and third graders, who do you think asks more questions? Second and third graders. High school kids, uh, sometimes it's just like in one year at the other. The, 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 the second graders want to know every answer to everything. Why, 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 why? Jesus died for us. Why? Because he loves us. Why? Because, like, and I'm just we're trying to maneuver around all the why. I'm sure the parents here have dealt with it and know how to how to handle it. But that's because for them, it makes sense. Like, I need to understand why something is, and then I'll be okay. Like, there's a reason, there's a point where why doesn't matter anymore. I understand. I'm okay. But what we have to reach is to realize, no, there is a level of not, not understanding. The, the more we understand that we don't know, the better we are. Does that? It's more philosophical, but it's the idea of realizing that God is way above us. So, don't find it strange when something happens. It's how we handle. How we handle. Okay. Um, verse thirteen. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. Notice what he says here. Rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering. What is he saying about your suffering? Christ. It's not like Christ. That Christ is suffering, we are suffering in Christ. That's what, like, the Orthodox Church when it teaches, it is the, the, the concept of salvation, the concept of uh, a, a Christian is our unity with Christ. That's why our whole faith is based on the Eucharist. Communion with Christ. Being, abiding one, being one with Christ. So, in this, when I suffer, Christ is suffering. But, and in, vice versa. When Christ died on the cross, we were on the cross with Him. Humanity was on the cross with Him. Does that make sense? So when we when when I go through a tough day, I have to I have to believe that Christ is going through a tough day with me. It's hard to picture it, but because it's not about making Christ smaller, like oh why would Christ be upset if I get a flat tire? No, because everything that I do, me as a representative, me as living in Christ, Christ also experiences. Does that make sense? So that's why there's a level of rejoicing. Why is there a level of rejoicing? Christ overcame us. Exactly. Because it's not, the, it's not the end. Because there is no end. Because Christ suffers, and if, if Christ is with me, and, and Christ overcame death to the point, like, to the cross, being spat at, being cursed at, all this stuff. And his life, and he resurrected, he trampled death by death. Any suffering that I have, I'm okay. Christ is with me. Christ is guiding me. Christ is with me in it. So Christ overcame the worst suffering. So then he can help me overcome anything. We're going to jump to James 
chapter 1. Because this is a constant theme, uh, like I said, in the Catholic epistles. So if somebody can read James chapter 1, um, verse 2 to 4, and if somebody else can read verse uh, 12. Count it all with joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Like, come on, say Like, I get it. Feel, feel okay. But count it with joy when you fall into trials is a little bit of a, of a whole different mentality. But again, it's the mindset of if I'm living with Christ, that I live, I'm going through Christ's sufferings with him, and he's going through the, my sufferings with me, there's a joy. I'm with him. He's with me. For example, what happened with Daniel, uh, sorry, the, the, um, the three holy youth, when they were in the fire? What was their mentality? What were they doing? Praising. Praising. But they're in the fire. They're, they're in the fire. They're being burned. They're in the trial as they are. They were rejoicing. They were praising. Why? Huh? Christ was with them. So when Christ is, when we have the understanding that Christ is with us through a trial, we will praise as well. We will rejoice. Nothing will matter. It always goes back. Some people who are so connected to Christ, when they receive certain diseases, like they call cancer uh, disease in Malakot or whatever, whatever word whatever. The idea is, again, from an outside perspective, that makes no sense. What do you mean? The disease of the kingdom or the disease of paradise? This makes zero sense. But for them, why they're so they're rejoicing when they some people reach a point where they're happy, rejoicing. Why? Because for them, they're living with Christ and they can't wait to see him. They can't wait to be with him. Some of them see him already. They're just living with him through the process. That's why they're rejoicing through the the trial. The trial can last years and years and years, but they're they're rejoicing through. Last uh, thing with this verse, uh, with this concept, if somebody can read verse twelve in James chapter one, verse twelve. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay. So this is a little bit different. But I wanted to focus here on the endurance. When we go through a struggle, it's the endurance. It's like, even, for example, like, when you're thinking about in sports, mm -hmm. uh, that last push in, like, a race is the hardest. But when you endure, you receive that crown, or you receive that joy. Because you got through the toughest part. When you go through school, when you go through a tough exam, when you go through whatever, there's, there's, there's a joy. Blessed is the man who endures the temptation, who endures the struggle, who endures the trial, who gets through. So St. Peter is echoing the same concept. To the, rejoice to the extent that you're in Christ's suffering. Does that make sense? Let me ask you a question. When we say the suffering of Christ, when we say that we are connected to the suffering of Christ, how does that change our mentality? Every day, day to day. 
How does this verse, verse 13, how can it change my mentality? Or does it not make a difference? Or does it make a difference? Like, what is the... It's more tolerable. Okay. Less complaining. Okay. Stronger. 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 Why stronger? That's true. Why? I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I can tolerate because I'm not alone. Support. It's like, it's like you have the king of kings right by your side. There's nothing to fear. So any trial, any suffering, that's why the word rejoice is used a lot. But it's most of the time it's used in situations like this. Like St. Paul was rejoicing when he was in prison. Why? Abuna Shoy Kamen. Abuna even like even present day, there's priests that were there with him. And they speak about that time. I, I heard a story recently. One of the priests was telling was telling us. I have not experienced happier times or more joyous times than the times I was in prison. And I was like, what did you guys do in there? <laughs> but they said that they felt this connection to Christ. They were praying liturgies in there. They were reading the Bible, having Bible studies, joking around. They were living with Christ all the time. So it was the happiest time of their life with less distractions. Like they didn't have anything to do. They were just, and you would talk to people who were in there. Like there was a select group of priests and bishops that were kind of thrown into the prison at the time. And it's just, a, it's amazing hearing the stories. But again, it's only because they were able to rejoice because they knew that Christ was with them through the suffering. Would you say that the fiery trials are a way to make us forget those distractions and focus on what it is that we're in? It's is definitely to build our like, faith. Yeah. It's it's definitely building our faith, the fiery trials. Mm-hmm. Um, to get rid of distraction, I think it's hard in, in to be like practically speaking, to get rid of distractions. Mm-hmm. We walk around with the number one distraction of all time in history. So it's, it, yeah, to get away from distractions is nearly impossible. Um, that's why the church uh, encourages for uh, alone time, quiet time, retreats, literally, like just close your mind for a second, for some time to get away uh, from, from the distractions. But when you're going through a trial, what makes it even harder is because you have all these, you have things that you have to take care of. So you're going through a tough time at work. That doesn't remove your responsibilities at home. It doesn't remove your responsibilities from church. It doesn't remove your responsibilities, like, in general. So if I, I, I think the fiery trials help us build our faith more than anything else. Because if I can get through it, what happens next time? What, what, what happens next time? It'll be easier. It'll be easier. One of the great examples about that. King David. What gave him the confidence? This is a little boy going up against Goliath. What gave him the confidence? Was he just like, oh, let me just... More than that. He... Remember, like... Yes, he, he had strong faith in God, but there was something practical that taught him or gave him the, the confidence, the boost, to be able to fight this monster. Like fight wild beasts as a shepherd? He said it himself. He said, I can, I can fight God. I, I, I fought lions. I fought bears. I fought this. I fought that. I can fight God. He had defeated things before, so when he reached this trial, I'm good. 
that's in, that's in life. The hardest thing is the first test. If you do well on the first test, second test, a little bit easier. Not necessarily content-wise, or the toughness of the exam, but at least now I'm confident. I just did well. God was with me when I defeated the lion. I can defeat the lion now. If he didn't have that experience, I think his mentality would have been a little bit different. Does that make sense? Any other questions? With this verse? But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. It says rejoice. When his glory is revealed, you also will be have you will have will be glad with exceeding joy. <coughs> Go, getting through a suffering has exceeding joy. That's why we talk about the resurrection being the core of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. And how do, how do we interpret the resurrection? Is that he trampled death by death. He gave us new life. And that's why we celebrate it. We celebrate it every day of our life. And this, this is what the joy is, exceeding, exceeding joy. If somebody can read um, uh, verse uh, from 14, 14 to 16. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. If you are reproached in the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of, your, none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Okay. It's very interesting here. If you are approached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. When, when is this said before? Christ said this. Does anybody know when? Very, very similar verse. Sermon of the Mount, the Beatitudes. It says, it talks about, blessed are you when you are persecuted. For righteousness sake, for there is the kingdom of heaven. This concept of being blessed, we throw this word a lot, blessed. What does blessed mean to you? We throw it a lot. Just somebody recently, just Sunday, uh, somebody brought a friend to church and uh, they were they were like, like oh, like I, I gave them some urbana. And they're like, what is this called? Like, what is, I was like, uh, baraka, which means blessing. They're like, oh, so this is blessed, but we can't touch it? I was like, no, no, you can touch it. Like, you can have this. this." And then I started explaining blessings. And everybody comes, everybody's understanding of blessings are different. What is, what, what does it mean to be blessed? Because he said, blessed are you when you go through these trials. And we just saw, blessed are you when you endure temptation. What is blessed? Mm-hmm. I can't hear you. Approved or touched by God? Approved or touched, okay. Being in favor of God? Okay, being in favor of God. In the favor. In what? Being in His favor. In His favor. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. It's receiving by God. When we're blessed, we're receiving God's um, gifts. So blessed are you. Like you are receiving gifts from God. You receive this. Uh, you're in His presence. So you. So you're you're in His favor. Like He He's happy with us. There's some translation that says, happy are you. Like the word blessing, some translations are happy. The word happy 
kind of gets thrown around a lot now, so I'm glad that it's translated as a blessed. But it's this feeling like you are going to feel very, you're going to feel very um, uh, good about yourself when God gives you, like when he blesses you. Does that make sense? So in this way, he says, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you're chosen to be, to go through a trial, it's your lucky day. Why? Because God chose you. And if God chose you, it's for the spirit of glory and of, and of God rests upon you. Like, he's with you. He's not going to leave So you know when you're going through a tough time, God is with you. But again, he's talking to people who are living godly lives. So it's not just any. God is always there, but for, uh, but for a Christian to know that you must believe in, in God. You must live a godly life. It says, on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. What does he mean by that? Who's they? Who's their part? Yes. The people who are doing the reproach are the people who are who are anti God. So on their part, it's blasphemy. Like, why? Because on their part, what you when you, when a Christian says he believes in God and that God is with him. That's blasphemy in the eyes. That's what they got. That's the. That's what they. Um, the trial that they took Christ in. That he was blaspheming when he was saying, "He and the Father are one, and He is the Son of God." That's they. They took that as blasphemy. How can somebody connect to God? So for us, we are called blasphemers if we say we are one with God, which is what a Christian is. So he's saying to them, it's blasphemy. To us, it's, on your part, he is glorified. Because of how we live our life, everything that we do, we ought to glorify God. Yeah, like what St. Paul said, like the message of the cross is foolishness. To those, to those yeah, those who don't believe. So how does our, how does our getting through trials, our life getting through trials, Glorify God. To a non-Christian. How, how can you glorify God getting through a trial to a non-Christian? Going through it with joy. Okay. Thanksgiving. So how does that make a difference? Because like, if you don't believe in God, these are the, these times is when you are, anything, cursing God? If you're yeah. not Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you don't believe in God, but then if somebody else outside of faith sees you as you know, you're actually receiving the joy and the peace and the thanksgiving, there would be something different about you that differentiates exactly. you. You're standing out, which is what sanctification means. Set apart. You're set apart. You're different than what the world is saying. So that's why he's saying to them, those people, you're a blasphemer. But to you, you're glorifying God. Because Anything that we do, we give thanks to God. You go through a really tough time, you thank God. Not just, I mean, I think the most common phrase that we've ruined is thank God. Yeah, thank God, thank God. We say it so often. And I don't want you to stop saying it. It's important to say it. But it's important to also realize what you're saying. Like, am I really thankful? Or has this just become a part of my vocabulary? Like, am I really thankful that I got into an accident? Am I really thankful that I have a bad cold or, or a, a disease? Or am I really thankful that I lost my job? Am I like, hey, you doing okay? Yeah, yeah, thank God. Are you thanking God that you lost your job or not? And, and I think we have to be honest with ourselves. 
And the ultimate goal, like St. Paul teaches in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. And this is a constant theme, obviously, in the Bible. Giving thanks. But we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to give thanks even during the tough times? Because like Jack said, that's what stand, that makes us stand out. If I'm thanking God during a tough time, if I'm glorifying God, if I'm praising God, that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was there, one of the most powerful people in the world at the time, and he was not just not believing in God, he believed in idols, and he was making Christians worship idols. When they said no, he threw them into a furnace. Now, them praising God inside the furnace made them do what? What happened to Nebuchadnezzar when they praised him in the furnace and in um, the furnace and something else? The lion's den with Daniel. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Anybody know? He started believing in God. He started believing in God because he saw people living a godly life. Now, what he did with that, we don't know. The, the Bible just ends with like he started. He he would he said like your God, the the, the God of Daniel. He started believing in the God of Daniel. I don't know if he had a personal relationship with God. Some people say yes, some people say no. But in general, he started believing that his idols weren't the ones doing the magic. Right? So so us standing out makes a big difference for not just ourselves, but for the people around us. Any questions about that? Yeah. In a lot of the examples that we're sharing, like, Three old youth, whatever short camera. There is though this theme of them before the trial or coming into the trial with a strong foundation yes. on God. Yes. So when the trial hits, it's but I think what happens and can happen is if that foundation isn't strong, then the struggle becomes a struggle on a different level. There's like, thank God, thank God, but there's resentment inside. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. If if they went into the prison with Christ, then life in the prison is a time of rejoicing. If they go into the fire with Christ, then the time in the fire is praise and rejoicing. But you're right. What if their relationship with Christ isn't strong enough? Or it's not there at all? Then a trial can really break a person. Really break a person. For example, we see Job's wife. Job had a relationship with God. So he got through really, 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 really tough trials. And it was his faith in, in some people might say, got stronger through the trials. But his wife didn't have that relationship with God and what happened? She also, she didn't make it through the trials. So the idea is how do we build our relationship not as an insurance policy. Like not like, so if something happens I'm okay. Like I'm with God. But that we build our relationship so that we can continue living with God. So yeah, your, your examples are, your point's absolutely correct. We need to work on our relationship not only at the time of the trial. Now, sometimes it works the other way. Sometimes a trial makes us like really connect to God. Right? Like we've heard stories about that too. Like, oh, I was far from God, but then this incident happened in my life. Maybe a death in the family, an accident, um, uh, uh, a certain situation, and then now I'm connected to God. 
like, so I was just talking to somebody in, um, uh, a few weeks ago, and he was telling me, he went through, um, he was kind of distant from church, and then he made a really bad mistake, and it could have gotten really, really bad, and in that mistake, he asked, he's like, God, please help me through this, like, get me through this, I promise, and I will, like, dedicate my life to you. And, like, he, he, the way he describes it was, it was a miracle, and he got out of it, and he regrets, and he confessed, and, and all this stuff, and, but from that time, he's like, I haven't been the same. He cut off his friends, he cut off bad habits, he cut off certain things. Why? Because of this situation. He, so he didn't go through the trial with God. But because of this trial or this sin or this problem or this issue, he connected to God and God got him out of it. Does that make sense? So it, it, it happens so much. So, so much. But again, we shouldn't wait for something like that. We need to work on our relationship with God so that we go in with a better, like we go in with Him. And, and we know that um, there will be rejoicing um, through it. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. I think this is really important. Shame is something that is not a godly thing. Why is shame not godly? What do you think? It's very specific. It says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, going through a tough time, going through a trial, you're suffering as a Christian. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Shame is associated with sin. Like okay. Something wrong, that's where the shame comes from. Okay. So, if this is from God, there's no shame. Excellent. Excellent. It's from God. Job made the point earlier. We have to believe that God allows for the things to happen. If God allows for me to be in a tough situation, where's the shame? This is from God. I have no shame. God did this. God allowed for this to happen. I trust Him. And in trusting Him, I glorify God in this manner. Why else is shame? Exactly. What's the number one reason people don't confess? Shame. Shame. Wait, how am I going to go tell Avuna this really dark, tough issue, problem, sin? I can't do that. He's going to look at me weird. He's going to think of me weird. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. Number one, I'm not even talking about adults. From young kids to, you know, get to a No one wants to feel like they have to let out their dirty laundry in front of another human. But shame paralyzes. The more we're open, and this obviously doesn't mean go put it on Facebook. It's not, it's not open in the, in the sense of like, be proud of, of, of your suffering. But it's the idea of saying like, no, don't be ashamed. That's why you notice now more people are talking, speaking up about their struggles and how they got through it. Like this concept of, um, um, What's the word? Testimonies. Testimonies. Why, why is 
What is the testimony? Witnessing. Specifically to what? To God. To God about what? Something that happened. To you. Right? So something personal. So it's sometimes it's like, oh, I used to be this, I used to be that, and now I'm this. Isn't that what we, what we do when we read the story of, like, St. Moses on, on his feast, which is this week? Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. So, again, St. Moses is strong. His feast. Why, why is he so important? Because <coughs> it's a testimony of how God can take a barbarian, murder, gang member, uh, rapist, from where he where he is to now a symbol of repentance. So shame is not something godly. It's not something Christian. And that's why it's important to, to not let shame paralyze us by going, doing our best to connect to God. Go to confess. Go to church. Again, number one reason people don't go to church, forget confession. Shame. How am I going to go to church? Uh, you know how many bad things I've done? Look at me. I have... Uh, this tattoo, or I have these piercings, or I have this issue, or my family is this, or my friends are this, or I feel shame. So I'm not going to hurt shame. So shame can have a big effect on us. But instead, use this, the fact that you're in Christ's sufferings for His glory and to, to, to spread His glory. Anybody have any questions about that? So don't let shame paralyze you. Sin is the reason for shame. But, but instead, don't be ashamed, but get through the sin and understand that it's a suffering or a trial or a tribulation with Christ and then through that, anything can... then the, the, the wind can be glorified. Any questions or comments? So we'll um, we'll finish uh, the, the next time we come. We'll finish the end of chapter four and start chapter five. Um, so if we can just read that part, read chapter four and uh, maybe chapter five um, for next week. Um, and if anybody has any questions, we can start with that. And glory be to God forever.